The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morning, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. An action-packed show for you for the next four hours. We actually have four guests uh, coming up on the show this morning, which is unusual for us. Sometimes we have zero guests, sometimes one, sometimes two, occasionally three, but rarely is it ever four. Uh, so you can bet we're going to cover the gamut from everything from space to Alaska, the Alaska Triangle to news of the day to sports. We're going to cover it all. So if uh, there's anything you're interested in, I assure you it will be covered within the course of the next four hours. But those of us here at uh, 77 WABC are still mourning the loss of our friend and our colleague Bernard McGurk. And a lot of folks were not able to make Bernie's um, uh, wake or his funeral because it was all the way out there on Long Island. And one of the things that John Katsimatidis talked about the day after the, the, the day, actually, that it was announced that Bernie passed away was they were working on getting a special mass for Bernard McGurk at St. Patrick's Cathedral. You might have already heard about this. I've posted the information on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash moranofan. But in case you haven't, let me mention this. Uh, this Wednesday, actually, so it's the next Wednesday. So I'm not sure if it's this Wednesday or next Wednesday because it's Wednesday of next week. But Wednesday, this way I won't say this or next. Wednesday... On October 26th at 10 a.m., there's going to be a special mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral in honor of Bernard McGurk. It's open to everybody that wants to go. If you plan on attending, just email rsvp at wabcradio.com. That's rsvp at wabcradio.com. It's slated to go from about 10 a.m. to noon. And if you can't make it in Manhattan or you've got to work or whatever the case may be, they are going to be streaming that live on the uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral website. So if you just Google St. Patrick's Cathedral between now and Wednesday, you'll be able to make sure that you're able to watch that live. I'm looking forward to going and uh, remembering our friend uh, Bernard McGurk, who was a former altar boy and a devout Catholic. I think he'd be very proud of the fact that there's a memorial mass for him at St. Patrick's Cathedral. So hopefully I'll see a lot of you there. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morning, everybody. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Well, we are just nine days away from early voting in New York State. Some very competitive races. I'm watching a lot of the national political analysis about who's going to control the House of Representatives. And increasingly, more of these national pundits are saying the same thing that I've been saying, which is that the most competitive congressional seats in the entire country are in New York and a handful in New Jersey as well. So control of the House could very well be decided by New York and New Jersey, which is wild when you think about how historically blue New York and New Jersey have been in presidential elections. But I did want to mention that there is a change to how New York's voting laws have worked my entire life. And I want to mention this in the hopes that if it affects you, this will avoid some confusion on election day or whenever
whenever you go to vote early or if you choose to vote via absentee ballots. Now, my entire life in New York, the way it has worked is just about anybody could request an absentee ballot if they had a reasonable expectation of being out of the county uh, that they live in on Election Day, and they could fill that absentee ballot out. Now, if it turns out that they were not out of the county, they could go and vote on Election Day or vote in person early or whatever the case may be. And if they voted, they would not count your absentee ballot. Well, due to a recent change in law, that is no longer the case. If you request an absentee ballot, you can no longer vote on a voting machine in person. This is new. This is brand new for this year, and I'm mentioning this now. That if something happens on Election Day and folks say they can't vote in person because they've requested an absentee ballot, I want you to understand that that's not due to incompetence on the part of the Board of Elections or anything like that. This is actually due to a change in law. Now, it will still be possible to vote in person if you have requested an absentee ballot. What you're going to have to then do is request what they call an affidavit ballot, where you attest, yes, I'm Frank Morano. Uh, I live at this address. I'm entitled to vote in this election. The easy thing to do is to only request an absentee ballot if you're really going to be out of the state or out of the county. If possible, if there's any way that you can make it to the polls itself, either on election day or on one of the early voting days, I would suggest that you try and go and vote in person. Just be aware of the change and make whatever decision about how you're going to vote that you will. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. There could be a change coming to your radio. Well, all right, technically that's only true if you're a policeman. There could be a change coming to police radios, and people are not too happy about it. Civil rights leaders, politicians, and others are panning this new plan to encrypt NYPD radios. So what we're seeing here is that elected officials and civil rights advocates in New York are concerned that the public and the fourth estate, the press, will eventually be cut off from police communications entirely should the NYPD move forward into full radio encryption. The public advocate, Jamani Williams, was asked about this at a city hall rally. He said, it's terrible. It's just terrible. I'm going to try to figure out something here. In addition, sources familiar with the situation, including those knowledgeable with the city's emergency response system, told the newspaper AM New York that the NYPD will be returning to the city council this coming year to ask for millions more to get their lagging communications and encryption built out to work properly after numerous delays. Sources are saying that encryption does not work in subways and would require thousands of repeater transmitters to do a complete build-out. The NYPD issued a statement saying, quote, the NYPD has no plans at this time to employ digital or encrypted communication in the city's transit system. But last week, the NYPD also issued a statement indicating that it is currently evaluating encryption best practices and will communicate new policies and procedures as we roll out this upgraded technology. Mayor Adams 
has been totally non-committal about the potential for radio encryption, but he also said in a statement that he'll be listening to concerns from the media. I have to tell you, as a member of the public and a member of the press, this makes me very nervous. I want uh, the NYPD to have the most secure communications they can, but I don't want them hiding any information from the public or from the press. Uh, Full radio encryption would severely hamper the efforts of the press to cover breaking news, and it would leave the NYPD in virtually full control of the narrative. There's no bigger supporter of the police than me, but we need to know what they're up to. They work for us. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. One more hour to go. Don't even think of touching that radio dial. During the pandemic, a lot of legislators, both on the left and on the right, raised some serious concerns about Governor Cuomo's use of emergency power. It seems like we were in a perpetual state of emergency, which gave Governor Cuomo the ability to act like a dictator. And I was one of these people saying the same thing. And I have to be honest, I'm going to vote for Lee Zeldin for governor, but I'm also concerned about how willing he is to declare an emergency and essentially dismiss the legislature on a whole bunch of criminal justice issues. We have a legislature for a reason. We have a separation of powers for a reason. And the declaration of a state of emergency is not meant to be able to turn the governor into a dictator. Well, now there's a government watchdog organization here in New York that is questioning the power of the governor to use broad executive authority under declared emergencies, and they've issued a new report warning against the potential for abuse. Reinvent Albany, which is a terrific group. We may have someone from their group on the show sometime. They pointed to the 10 separate states of emergency now in effect currently that can allow the governor to suspend oversight for contracts and other spending. Disaster declarations can afford the state's flexibility in nimbly responding to a crisis at any given moment. And certainly the last several years, we've seen no shortage of crises. But the reInvent Albany report questions whether safeguards should be erected to ensure the authority isn't abused. In my view, it is 100% clear that we do need some safeguards. What's stopping any governor from declaring a state of emergency and telling the legislature to go scratch. Nothing. You have to go to court and file a lawsuit if you believe in democracy. Governor Hochul has come under some criticism, rightly so, when a state contractor who also donated to her campaign provided COVID test kits above what other states were paying for them. Hochul's insisted the test kits were necessary to scale up ahead of the Omicron variant next year. If we didn't have a state of emergency in place, she wouldn't have been able to do that. Her Republican challenger, Congressman Zeldin, has pledged to declare a crime emergency. This group, Reinvent Albany, is recommending a package of changes that are meant to add some guardrails. I'm all for this, and I hope we can at least have more of a discussion about this. To be continued. 